Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Cryptids of the Corn. Each week, Justin and Jay take a look at a topic in the crypto and paranormal world. They focus on the Midwest and Appalachia of the U.S., but sometimes they venture out. With everything from well-known monster sightings to one-off cryptids, live person interviews to actual fieldwork sneaking in some science lessons, there's sure to be something you'll enjoy. Please join us this episode of Cryptids of the Corn. Together we're Cryptids of the Corn podcast where scientific thinking and magical thinking combine. Today, though, we have a very special guest joining us, the famous paranormal road tripper, Zach Bales. Say hi, Zach. Hey, guys. How's it going? Oh, we're living the dream. How are you doing? Hey, we're, you know, just trying to stay busy. Yeah. Trying, trying to stay busy as much as I can. Oh, yeah. There ain't no rest for the wicked. <laughs> yeah. So for anybody at home that doesn't know, uh, Zach is the paranormal road tripper. Um, he's a great guy. He's the author. Uh, I have one of his books we're going to kind of talk about today, among many other things. But the Bigfoot's Atlas, the UFO Chaser's Atlas, the Amateur's Guide to Ghost Hunting, and the Expert's Guide to Ghost Hunting. So whatever level you want to come in on, he's got a book for you. Uh, he's also an accomplished conference speaker. And, oh, there we go. I'm a professional podcast. Phone going off. You're I, the one. I owe the beer this. So we, whoever's phone goes off during a recording owes the beer. And this time, it's go. Mr. Yeah. E. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we first met Zach at Crypticon 2021. Uh, you were a speaker there and a vendor, right? That is correct, yep. And then we met you yeah, again. Kind of a, a traveling booth that we, uh, we call it the Paranormal Road Trippers Trading Post. We, we kind of set up an area of uh, conferences and, and festivals. Oh, I like that name, the Trading Post. The Trading, the trading post. post. Yeah, I like that. Yes. Sometimes it gets you into trouble during the outdoor festivals, though. The conferences are—they're uh, pretty, uh, you know, by the books. But we—we've we, been in a few of the outdoor festivals. Uh, we were in Marion, North Carolina, uh, a couple months ago, and and it came a uh, a monsoon. Oh us. my gosh! We, oh, that uh, sounds awful. We about got washed away, but uh, <laughs> it was—it was a shame. It was right when the festival. I mean, it was a big. It was a festival. It was a grand success. Don't get me wrong. And you know, there's a lot of people showed up. But right when it was starting to fire on all cylinders, that was when the when the, when the rainstorm came in and just washed us out. <laughs> it was fascinating. Which we drove, and we were about four hours from home, so um, we had a long, wet drive home uh, that evening. But we we made it. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, we're kind of nervous. We have the Hawking Hills Bigfoot Conference the last weekend of September, first weekend in October. That's all outside, and it's camping. Oh, there you go. So I'm like, it's October in Ohio. It could be 85 degrees and super sunny. It could be snowing. <laughs> right, yeah. We, you know, we don't know. Um, but yeah, we had a lot of fun with you at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference. We have a little mm -hmm. joke. I don't know if you remember. Uh, but your wife almost stole the cast I bought off you. Yes, yeah. 
if you're not careful, we'll take them back. There you go. <laughs> and I probably would have rebought the same ones out of the same box. <laughs> yep, buy them again. So we were booths right next to each other. And, uh, it's part of our shit. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we sell people things, and then we try to sneak into their, their vendor booth and get it back. It's a good business plan. I would have noticed she's the only one that caught it. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, yeah, I, 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 I thought it was odd too. I thought one of our casts is sitting over there in a box. It's odd. <laughs> I wouldn't know until we were like, careful. we were a week later, and I'd be like, "Where did that Thunderbird cast go?" Yeah. And he'd be like, "Did you take it?" He'd be like, blaming us in a box somewhere. You'd blame us. Tell the truth. You all have a Thunderbird cast. Yeah, I bought the Thunderbird and the Littlefoot from you. We have there, the there are very few of those Thunderbirds out in circulation. I keep very, very, very few of those. Oh, yeah. I, this, I, may have only had, I may have only had one at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference. I, I, I don't remember you having more than one, so I bought that one pretty yeah. early. Yeah. I, I, I may have only ever sold, like, I'm not going to lie to you, about three of those all time. Oh, wow. So, I have a, a giant glass oh. cabinet in this house that is full of nothing but cast. Well, that, that one is a rare one. I'll yeah. be the first to tell you. It's one of the Bigfoot ones are mass circulated. That one is a very, as I said, I have the original, and I've, I've probably have only sold three copies of the original. So there you go. So that's oh, that's a, pretty sweet. It's an artifact. Right? It's a star. And we'll get into cash later because he does amazing. The little, like, your, 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 I don't know what to call them. The posters you sell with them. They explain the story and everything behind them. Because a lot of my cast, mm-hmm. I have to, I have to write on a note card. Yeah, so I remember exactly where it came from because otherwise I just have a whole big cabinet full of plaster that I'm like, this is a Bigfoot hand, this is a Bigfoot. I don't know where they're from. You know, I got everything, California, Michigan, mm-hmm. Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, yeah, the Thunderbird is right in the middle. I love that foot. So our first mm-hmm. kind of question for you is what got you interested in becoming the great and famous paranormal road tripper? Where did that kind of come from? Well, I, mean, I tell you what, I'm a, uh, I'm a school teacher, um, you know, for eight months, nine, I'm sorry, nine, 10 months out of the year. And, uh, I was born and raised in Somerset, Kentucky by a couple of school teachers. And, uh, and when your parents are school teachers, uh, you know, they, you have summers off and, uh, it was always growing up. It was always, a you know, where are we going this summer? And my parents would always, uh, I guess they instilled in me the, the passion, I guess you could say for cross country road tripping. Um, it wasn't uncommon in my youth to, take off for a week or two weeks with them at a time and uh, in a car. And by golly, I live in South Central Kentucky. We would go all the way to California. Back, oh, wow. Um, without missing a beat or, uh, you know, it'd be, we'd always set a destination. It would be Grand, the Grand Canyon or it would be um, uh, the Redwood Forest or Yellowstone National Park. And it would be like the final destination of the trip. But along the way, we would stop at every little, you know, every little attraction, roadside attractions, and uh, I think you, I don't think my parents were as into, as a young man, they weren't as into some of the weird things as I was, but they always tried to humor my interests, you know, um, the Ros, for example, the Roswell, uh, in Roswell, New Mexico, they have an alien museum, a UFO, International UFO Museum is what it's called. And uh, it was established like 1992, 1993, 1994, I think. But the very summer it was established, you know, we've got wind of it. This is pre-internet, of course, or at least pre-internet uh, being a, a very popular thing, or at least uh, accessible. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we popped in that very summer. We popped in uh, to the Roswell UFO Museum when it was just a, I mean, today it's a pretty grand thing. I'm not going to yeah. lie. You know, if you go back out there, it's a very grand uh, enterprise. But at the time, it was very, um, 
very simple, but by golly, we, you know, we always try to stop in things like that, stop in the little towns like that. Sedona, for example, Sedona, Arizona, uh, right close to the uh, Grand Canyon. Um, just if, if you're familiar with all the legends that go into the town of Sedona and all the, the vortex energy mm-hmm. that they, they yeah. you know, a lot of um, new age uh, believers, metaphysical believers, they descended on the town and it's a, you know, it's a pretty special place, but that was, you know, you just stop at places like that on the way. And uh, so in the, you know, 90s, when I was growing up in the late 80s, early 90s, we they, we stopped at all those things every summer and, and made a mission uh, to, to, I guess, that kind of awakened me a passion for this sort of stuff. And so when I finally had my own driver's license, I finally had a little extra time on my hands. I, uh, I decided to pursue the interest a little more, I guess, regularly, um, a little more passionately and the rest is history. So, uh, hmm. uh, today I, 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 I still try to make it a regular, uh, I don't know. I'm always trying to look up places to, to go. I'm always, uh, trying to find haunted hotels to mm-hmm. stay in. Mm-hmm. always trying to find, you know, wooded areas that sightings have happened of Bigfoot or UFO encounters. I just, I, I have a passion for that source. The passion I call it the unusual, the unexplained, and the otherworldly. That's that's what I that's what I I, I, I target, I guess. And and I, I found the my wife. I've been married to her now for eight years, and uh, I don't know if she was as interested in this sort of thing when we first met or when we first married. But you know, over time, I think she's just as passionate about it as I am. And uh, sound familiar? She yeah. And I, I think she understands the the joy of uh, you know a ghost tour in New Orleans or a um, you know an overnight stay in a haunted hotel as much as I do at this point. So yeah, you know things worked out. Yes, but that's kind of you know that's kind of the history, or at least my history into into this sort of uh, uh, phenomenon. There's a child. I tell you what, there was a Childcraft book. There was, it's a book series. A lot of kids have in the United States Childcraft. You know, that's the thing about my parents. They, they're school teachers, so they understand that reading is a big thing. Mm-hmm. It's an important thing. So then, by golly, they filled my childhood with books. Well, one of them it was, a, it was a child craft series, and each of the each of the editions was over something different. You know, there was one over mathematics. There was one over uh, geography. But one of them was called Mysteries and Legends. Oh. And, uh, yeah, and that was the one that I found, mm-hmm. you know, like three or four years old, just learning to read. That was the one that piqued my interest the most. So, you know, this is before we ever took off on those road trips. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was you know, reading these stories about the Roswell UFO crash or uh, the Patterson film, you know, out in uh, Bluff Creek. You know, all the, all, the, all the timeless, the great tales were in that little child crap book. And, uh, it was a many, many, many months of reading and rereading and rereading those uh, those stories. So I, I guess, I guess you know, that's kind of that's where I got my start with this. That's stuff. where the seeds were planted. Yeah, your origin story. Well, yes. What's what's the name of the haunted hotel up by the cabin in Michigan? Our cabin. No, I don't. Remember. The Dorothy. Ooh, I can't remember. There's a hotel that's uh, mobster haunted by our cabin. We go bigfooting out of. And okay. so if you ever want to, I'm extending the offer live on air. If you ever want to go Bigfooting <laughs> and stay at a haunted hotel, I can arrange both. I like the sound of that. I, I, I tell you what, I've not spent as much time in, in, uh, in the Great Lakes state. That's Michigan. Isn't yep. It? Yep. It's surrounded completely. <laughs> not, not as much time in Michigan, Great Lakes state as I would have liked to. I, like I, on my bucket list of places in the United States, Mackinac Island. I, oh, it's beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. 
Yeah, that's it is beautiful up there. Uh, our I local. Sorry. Naked up there. What's the? Um, I mean, there's some good cryptids and things. Oh, up there our place. local bar at right down the road from our cabin is the Dogman Bar. Literally, they have a giant Dogman inside you can drink in front of. Oh, there you go. Uh, so yeah, Dogman. Uh, so the dog, the Michigan Dogman legend started in Manistee National Forest, which is the forest we go bigfooting in. Uh, okay. I avoid him. Bigfoots are fine, but uh, Dogman. Dogman so have a, a lot worse of a reputation. Well, I tell you what, there's the first ever Dogman conference. Have you heard about this? Yep. Try to get a table. Couldn't get one. Yeah, it's coming down to uh, land between the lakes. Um, it's on the Tennessee side of land. Between yep. The not, mm. too far from, not too far from my stomping grounds down here, but I hear it's going to be a big deal. We, yeah, we're not uh, we're not going to be at the event either. Um, we have something a prior engagement, but um, but it looks like a fun time. It's, gonna, it's got a, it's got some high, you know, the, the all the dogman personalities. Everybody's ever talked about yeah. is there. The usual suspect. The yep. gang's all there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so our next thing, I know you have a lot of them, and if there's any you'd share, any personal experiences or any any of your paranormal or cryptid stuff you'd like to talk about. I know you probably could fill three of our episodes with it, but just anyone you would like to share. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I tell you what, I, I, I'm a school teacher, like I said a few minutes ago, and uh, I got my start writing um, because the kids, the students in my class, high school, so they're not really kids, the young adults, I should say, uh, in my class, you know, they knew I was into the ghosts, they knew I was into these things, so they're always asking, you know, tell us a story, tell us a story, and and uh, and I I do you know I humor them especially when we have a good week. Oh yeah, we have a good week on Friday afternoon or Friday you know whatever time I guess I have that class. You know, we, we might roll up our sleeves on Friday and talk ghosts or talk cryptids or talk whatever you, that, they, um, that the students want to talk about. And um, and I uh, and I humor them and that's kind of where I got my start writing as well. You know I, I finally started. You know I'm, these kids are getting me to tell these stories. It'd be a little bit better as far as literacy goes if they read these stories. So that was kind of where I started writing some mm. of this stuff down for the first time. It was a trick to try to get these, uh, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16 year old students to read, you know, as opposed <laughs> to just listening to me yap on Fridays. But, but no, yeah, over the years I've told a, I've told a whole lot of, uh, a lot of the stories that I ended up writing about my, my books, but there's a lot that I, that I haven't written about in books. I've got a, I've got a, there's a mythical third ghost book out there somewhere. Mm. Oh, this maybe someday will come to fruition, but uh, I guess if I had to choose one story, I, I don't know. I mean, I, there's there's a number I could write about, but if I had to choose uh, uh, one story that might be interesting, there, there's a hotel in uh, in Colorado. It's uh, so they call it seven thousand five hundred feet above the ordinary. Is what they say of this hotel. Uh, as a matter of fact, they say it of this little town, Estes Park, it's 7,500 feet above the ordinary, because that's the height, that's how far we are up in this, in the mountains. And okay. this hotel is, is, is world renowned. Uh, this is a very famous place. I'm sure many of your, many of your readers, or not your readers, but your listeners, I'm sure many of your listeners are probably familiar with this particular place. It, um, it has quite a, it's, you know, it's, it's got over a hundred years of history. Uh, there's a man, uh, he was a, a famous uh, business guy, and uh, he uh, he had sparked a successful business uh, at the turn of the last century, and um, everything was going really well for him. His name was F. O. Stanley, by the way, and uh, and everything was going really well, and then he got real sick, and uh, he went to the doctor, 
And the doctor said, you don't have long to live. He said, what do you mean? They said, well, you've got tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, at the time, tuberculosis, you know, today we've got it a little bit under control. But at the time, uh, this was a pretty much a death sentence. I'm talking the same tuberculosis that uh, Waverly Hill Sanatorium right. up in Louisville claimed tens of thousands of lives. And, mm-hmm. you know, at the turn of the century, 100 years ago, uh, they didn't really have uh, the best medicine, you know, available for this stuff. I know at Waverly, uh, they would often tell people the best way to cure this is with some rest and relaxation, you know, a good hearty meal, you know, that sort of stuff. So uh, not exactly reliable uh, way to, to cure this. <laughs> well, as they told this guy, uh, Stanley, and, and if I'm rambling, you'll have to let me know. No, no, I'm keep just, going. We're doing good. We are ramblers. Yeah. <laughs> They, they told him, you know, they told Mr. Stanley, they said, uh, they said, you're, you're, you're going to have to, you're going to have to run head for the hills. Literally. They said, you're going to have to head for the hills. They said, your only hope is to move. Uh, he's a businessman and he lived working out of the East coast, you know, some of the, some of the business capitals on the East coast. They said, your only hope is to go to the mountains. They said, maybe, uh, in the mountains, the air's a little thinner. Uh, you might be able to get a few years, uh, long, live a few years longer. You know, that was the best medical advice. So Mr. Stanley, he decided that's exactly what he was going to do. He uh, moved to Estes Park, Colorado. And in Estes Park, Colorado, he built a mansion. Uh, he built a, a house for himself. He was dead set on still, on still, uh, you know, conducting business as much as he could. Uh, he still wanted to uh, to deal. He, he created a, the, Stanley, the steam-powered cars at the time, Stanley Steamer. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, wow. That one. That was just one of his businesses. You know, he was dead set on uh, on continuing his, his business. So he built an enormous guest house out next to his own mansion. Uh, just an enormous uh, building, yellow building. Uh, it's not yellow anymore. I'll get to that in a minute. But he built this <laughs> enormous yellow building. And it was his guest house. And that was where he brought all these titans of, of industry. And, you know, he, he convinced these people. He said, you know, I still want to do business with you. And they're like, well, where are you? You're not at our... You're not at the bar on Friday nights in New York City anymore. You're not at these fancy restaurants. We can't. He said, "Why don't you come to me?" And so he decided to create a five-star place. Uh, next thing you know, his his guest house was uh, like renowned, you know, in the Colorado Rockies. You know, seven thousand five hundred feet about the ordinary. It was ex- ex- extraordinary place. Everybody wanted to go there. Everybody wanted to be one of Stanley's guests. Mm. Um, and uh, I, you probably could guess uh, the name of this uh, building. I guess. Uh, that the, eventually, I guess, came to pay. It ended up coming eventually after Mr. Stanley shuffled off this moral coil. And, you know, over time, uh, the Stanley business is, is gone, and they decide to. I mean, you could trace the history. It's the Stanley Hotel. I was going. I was waiting for it. Okay. Yeah. So from uh, this building would end up being would end up being called the Stanley Hotel um, after Mr. Stanley was long gone. By the way, he lived. I think it was another forty years. Oh, the... uh, and, and yeah, they told him he only had a few to live so, after tuberculosis. He defied the odds. Something about that. Something about that place. Something about that Estes Park. Something about the Colorado Rockies. There's something magical. You saying about it? The mountain air worked. <laughs> I, uh, you know, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like it worked. They There's were right up there. It kept the spirit alive. <laughs> and that may be it. He thought it was going to work. And sometimes that's all yes. it takes. Well, long story short, uh, it became a, uh, after Mr. The Guest House, it ended up becoming the hotel itself. And uh, 
the entire property then became a, a sprawling um, a hotel property. It still is today. But anyway, over the years, it's seen ups and downs. I'm telling you, Mark, you trace the history of the Stanley Hotel. There's death. Uh, that's happened there. There's an explosion at one point. And on the second floor, there's a room to uh, 17, I believe it is, that there was at one point an explosion that happened inside. You know, they were installing gas pipes. I mean, if you trace the history of the building, there's been lots of people come and go, lots of uh, interesting stories. But over the years, uh, as, the, as it thrived as a hotel after Stanley was gone, uh, some people say that it became the subject of a haunting. And uh, it wasn't really, didn't really climb into infamy until the 1970s uh, when <laughs> a, uh, author, a young author was traveling across the country. I believe the story goes that he was, he was traveling from Maine to Los Angeles to, um, uh, to sort of pitch an idea for a, a book. I don't know the exact details, but he was traveling through the Rockies. He needed a place to stay, and he stayed at the uh, – he decided there was one hotel, a little big one up on the hill, and he decided to go there. And this young author at the time uh, spent the night, and they said, I don't think we got a room for you, Mr. King. They said this is the yeah. end of the season. That uh, They said we don't, we don't really have a room for you tonight. Uh, they said, you're going to stay somewhere else. He said, oh, come on, please. I got to have a place to stay, you know, just for the night. And they said, well, there's no one else here. It was the guy at the desk told him, you know, maybe we can accommodate you, but it's just, it's just going to be me and, and, and you. Uh, and he said, that's fine. That's fine. He said, but I know it's, he said, the guy at the front desk said, it's going to be me. If you have problems, you just got to come to me. I'm going to be at the bar. If you need to come to cook, it's just, it's just me and you. And, and Mr. King said, okay, that's fine. Well, well, long story short, he got his room, and they, they put him in the, the most elegant suite in the building, room 213, 217, I'm sorry, up on the second floor. It was the, Of course, they didn't tell Mr. King at the time that that was also one of the rooms that was supposed to be the most haunted in the building. And uh, Stephen King, by the way, I the man's name. Right. By the time the night was over, uh, he came away realizing that building was pretty spooky. You see, he ran into... According to legend, Mr. King ran into a couple of young girls up on the fourth floor. You see, the fourth floor was where the kids, you know, the parents, when Stanley ran this building, the parents would, would party in the, uh, in, the, in the ballroom below, and the kids would stay up on the fourth floor. That was where a lot of the, you know, that they would conglomerate. Well, Mr. King ran into a couple kids up on the fourth floor, a couple girls identically dressed at the time, a little ways down one of the hallways. And he said, hey, I thought... Who are you? And they said, you know, this is where we stay. And he was like, well, I was told that I was the only one in the building. They said, oh, no, no, our father, he's here and we're here. And, and Mr. King was awfully, you know, torn down. I've been lied to, he thought. And he went downstairs in a huff and told the uh, told the, the man at the desk, the man who said they were all alone. He said, I thought you said I was alone. I thought you said I was the only guest. And the guy looked at him and said, you are. And he said, well, that's not true. So I ran into two girls up on the fourth floor. Hmm. Yeah, not me. That in real art. And he said, you did. Mr. King said, yeah, I had a long conversation with him. And the guy's face went pale. He said, you had a long conversation with the girls? Mr. King said, yeah. He said, well, I guess you're right. There are other people staying here. He said, ha, I gotcha. And he said, no, but they're not people like you and me. And thus, the shining was, was right. born. Well, I'd always, that was one of my bucket list places. I'd always wanted to go to Stanley Hotel. I'm kind of minorly obsessed with the story of The Shining and, and Dr. Sleep for that matter as well. And 
I've just I always had an affinity for it. And if you read any of my books, uh, there's there's all sorts of hidden references, and there no for no one but probably the most eagle-eyed view reader would ever even notice these little references. But all my books are peppered with strange references. I steal a lot of my chapter titles from obscure parts of the of Stephen King's The Shining Book. But that's neither here nor there. I've, oh. I've always had an affinity for uh, for the Stanley Hotel, and so in 2015, I finally got a chance to. Uh, to go, you know, I was kind of a, uh, as the time I'd written a book, I hadn't, I hadn't written three or four, which is how many I have now. I'd written one uh, book about ghosts. It was kind of a, kind of a bucket list spot, you know, Stanley Hotel. Mm -hmm. So me and my wife, we took off one summer, uh, 2015 it was, and we, uh, we drove, we drove from uh, Somerset, Kentucky, uh, all the way to Estes Park, Colorado, had two nights booked in the room. You know, we roll into Estes Park. We're thinking, you know, where is this place going to be? Are we going to be easy to find? And of course, there you go, rolling into town, an enormous castle, pretty much up on a hillside. And we're like, okay, it's not going to be hard to find at all. You know, we roll in. It was a little, not going to lie, it was a little stormy that day, which oftentimes you think that kind of ruins the trip when it's raining, but it wouldn't run this. It actually kind of had a little yeah. ambiance. When you're going to look to for our ghosts. arrival at the hotel, mm -hmm. we pull up in the parking lot outside, and there it is. They had just created a brand new hedge maze outside at the time. Believe it or not, they had never had a hedge maze until 2015. Uh, but so many oh. people kept coming to the hotel saying, where's your hedge maze? That they decided <laughs> we need to build one. And so uh, now it's – so it was time to enter in the ground. We know we pull up next to this hedge maze. I tell my wife, she says, are you going to go check into her room? And I say, sure. And she says, I'll get the bags out of the car. So I leave her outside and she's, you know, uh, taking, packing all the little things. We have a tendency to break into her bags. Mm -hmm. Well, I left her outside. I went in the lobby. And of course, it's an elegant lobby, you know, the big staircase and, and uh, roaring fire over on the side. Not a lot of people around here. And of course, to the side of this big staircase, there's the, uh, there's the uh, the station where you'd walk up and, and get your get your accommodation for the night, get your key, and and uh, there's the guy and he's wearing like one of those classic you know bellhop uniforms mm -hmm. over there. I tell you, this looks like everything you would ever expect out of a place like this. So we, uh, I, you know, I walk up here and behind him on the wall is like a one of those old school like hotel like key racks. There's little oh, yeah. keys. Every That's one awesome. Of them. I'm telling you, it just sets the tone. You know, it just sets the tone. So I um, I walk over to the uh, desk. The guy's standing there, and I, I say, you know, uh, I'm re I'm here to check into my room for the night. He said, okay, please give me your name. Uh, he'll need a you know ID and a credit card, and I I, I say okay, and I, I give him my name. I said I'm uh, Zach Bales. I'm here for my room, and he uh, he starts thumbing around on his computer. It's one of the, it's an older computer, you know, uh, which kind of made sense really as well, like one of those '80s mm -hmm. green glow on the mm -hmm. guy's face. They're thumbing around on it, and I, uh, I say, "Yeah, my name's Zach Bales. I'm here checking in my room." And he looks and he pauses, and and suddenly there's this look on his face, and I can't really, I can't really, um, can't really describe what kind of a look of concern. I guess is what I would say. Maybe a look of concern on his face. And I start to get a little worried, and he says, "This is, huh? This is odd." And he keeps thumbing around. I think, "Oh no." Oh no, we booked the wrong night. You know, I'm on in my mind. I'm already starting to think, yeah. okay, well, we've screwed up. You know, we, we've counted our days from Somerset to uh, Kentucky to Estes Park, Colorado. We've miscounted. We've got the wrong. We knew we had two nights. We booked a we booked a room up on the fourth floor, supposed to be the most haunted floor in the building. It's the mm -hmm. floor where all the kids, Stephen King. You know, we had everything ironed up to a T. We had the trip 
figure it out. And, and then this guy's looking at his computer screen concerned. I'm thinking, oh no, you know, what's going to happen when, uh, when we screwed up, we booked the wrong nights. I say, is there a problem to the guy? I say, is there a problem? And he, um, he keeps coming around. He says, I, I've never, this doesn't make any sense at all. And he keeps typing around. I'm starting to get my heart starting to race a little bit. And I say, well, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he says, give me just a moment. And he walks away. He leaves me at the desk and he disappears into the back room. And I'm standing there kind of rocking, thinking, okay, what, what, you know, what's wrong? Finally, he comes back out after at least a couple minutes have passed. He comes back over and he comes around. He says, and you said your name is Bales. I said, yeah. He types around for a minute longer. He says, this doesn't make any sense at all. I said, what's wrong? He says, well, he said, you, you telling me you just arrived in Estes Park? I said, yes. He said, you just arrived at the, at the stand, at the hotel just now. I said, yes, why? He says, well, on my computer here, it says you checked in hours ago. Huh. <laughs> and I look at him, I say, no, no, I, I just arrived. Huh. He looks, he pauses, and he taps a couple of times on his computer. He says, well, either way, and he holds out a key, and he says, welcome to the Stanley Hotel. I hope you enjoy your stay. So, you know, naturally, I was a little uh, perturbed, you know. I, yeah. What did he mean? I arrived. And I kept thinking of, like, the shining. You know, he always tells Jack Torrance, uh, you've always been the character. You know, all these thoughts are going through my head. <laughs> What's the deal with this? So I go out and I tell my wife the story and, and uh, you know, she didn't think anything of it. And uh, we go on in and go up to the fourth floor. Well, and if I'm rambling, you'll have to tell no, me. You no, you keep going. It's going good. It's good. This is great. All right. Well, so we go up to the fourth floor. We get in the old elevator. It's one of those elevators, really. It's got like the big handle mm. inside. Oh, sweet. The handle, though, doesn't work anymore, unfortunately. They've, they've updated the elevator. They just left the, the infrastructure there. Mm. Well, okay. So I get by the elevator. We go up. Fourth floor. Here's the thing about Estes Park. You know, it's high in the mountains. It's kind of cool. Uh, but here's the thing about heat. Heat rises, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, uh, fourth floor is the hot floor of the Stanley Hotel. And they don't have air conditioning. And as we open up the door on the fourth floor, like the heat wave just hits us. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Because we like air conditioning. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Like, we're a big fan. <laughs> we get hit by this heat wave. We're thinking, what's wrong? And, you know, and, and then we start to remember that, oh, yeah. There is no air conditioning in this building. And of course the heat, they say the fourth floor is the hottest. And as we started stumble down the hall with our bags, I'm saying, you know, part of me, I'm being cynical. I'm, I'm saying, you know, they probably just make up all this stuff about the ghost on the fourth floor to try to get people to rent the fourth floor because it's hot up <laughs> the here. The horrible yeah. rooms <laughs> of heat. Yeah, I'm talking about this stuff out loud and being cynical. Of course I was just doing it in jest. Well, we go in our in our room and they've got one little, little box fan in the window going. We get in there and it's stale air and it's like hot. And it's like, oh my gosh, are we going to make this? And as I close the door, it's a typical bedroom, you know, at a hotel and, and we're throwing our bags down. And my wife is, she says, oh my gosh, it's, it's stuffy. You know, it's stuffy. We didn't really have our window open at that point. Um, maybe we were thinking if we open it, maybe there'll be a little, it'll be a little or at least I was thinking maybe it'll be a little less stuffy in here. And so as we're throwing our bags on the thing and sitting there, cooler down and all that sort of stuff she says gosh i just it's gonna be a tough night and of course i'm joking because i know that the stanley hotel is like the target of her whole drift i say something along the lines of um uh you know maybe you're right maybe we should uh maybe we should go somewhere else that's kind of what i say i say it completely in a joke and we just got in the room 
yeah. uh, maybe 30 seconds before just putting down her stuff. And I make it, I make that joke. She says, gosh, it's hot in here. I say, yeah, maybe we should just pack our bags. We should go back downstairs to her car. We should put everything in her and get out of here. And I make this joke and I kid you not, I still can't explain this to this day, but something happened in that room. It was, it was in the corner of the room. It was as if there was a movement of some sort. You could just sense it. You could feel it. And in the corner of the room, there was a table, uh, like a little round table, like a barista table. And on the table, there was a coffee maker, uh, some like coffee little bags, coffee grounds, uh, some of those uh, like cardboard or styrofoam cups uh, or cardboard cups and then little plastic lids, you know, where you can make your own little coffee. Or, yeah, you could do your coffee in the morning, I guess, in your room. Well, about the, the instant, I say, maybe we should just leave. Maybe this is a useless time. Maybe we should go and spend the night at some other hotel. As I said, I said in joke, but I'm not so sure that the spirits of the fourth floor of the Stanley Hotel thought that was a joke. Because as if on cue, that movement, something happened. And the cups, the cardboard cups and those plastic lids slung across the room. I'm telling you what, they bounced across the floor and went tumbling across the room. Not necessarily toward us or away from us. It was as if just an unseen hand had just jarred that table or jarred those cups. As I say, it caught me totally off guard. I don't know what happened. I can't explain it. Everybody I've ever told this story to, they said, well, was the air conditioning turned on? I was like, no, there was no air conditioning. There's no air conditioning. It was hot. And they said, well, well, did you open the window? Was the window? And I was like, no, no, we hadn't opened the window of the of the room yet. And they're like, well, well, maybe it was the maybe it was the fan. And I kid you not, we went through piece by piece by piece trying to figure out what on earth, you know, was it the fan? Was because there was a fan going in the room. But no, the fan wasn't even in that corner of the room. It certainly wasn't facing that. I mean, we went through every logical explanation, trying to think you know, what on earth could have caused this? And we just couldn't get it. And I'm telling you, chills were over both of us for like the next hour as we were sitting. I've even had people tell me before, they've said, man, I bet you Stanley Hotel's got that thing set up to where there's all, every room they're listening in, waiting for me. And I'm thinking, <laughs> it might be scarier than the ghost to think that they've got cameras yeah. in the hotel. That would be scarier than you know, the ghost. I, I get that one too all the time. So we arrive, they tell us we're already checked in. We get upstairs, we have this, uh, you know, we have this uh, uh, sort of a, this moment here. And I'm thinking, boy, oh boy, we've already gotten enough. I'm, th- I'm, I'm thinking about it from an author's perspective. I'm thinking, okay, I've already got enough for a chat. Yeah, um, yeah. Probably, I'm probably pretty good. But I didn't realize that the best was yet to come. Uh, because that night, uh, we launched into missing. Like I said, room, uh, I'm sorry, uh, the fourth floor is considered to be the most haunted in the building. Room 401 is the most haunted room, supposedly, on in the Stanley Hotel. At least that's what the Ghost Hunters TV show yeah. went on Sci-Fi Channel for many, many years. Mm-hmm. I think it may have come back. Uh, but they say that room 401 is the, is the creme de la creme. Not 217, uh, they say it's haunted, yes. But no, 401 is the big one. That's what they say. So, well, we unfortunately, we didn't get into room 401. We were in 411. You're right down the hall from. Well, that night we started our paranormal investigation, me and my wife, and uh, and we brought with us a, a piece of equipment. We brought us a lot of paranormal equipment, uh, investigation equipment that night. Of course, paranormal investigators they use digital audio recorders, they use uh, heat uh, infrared thermometers, they use uh, 
uh, EMF detectors. Well, that night we had brought with us something called the Paramid. The Paramid, not pyramid, para, as in, I guess, paranormal activity. And they sold it years and years ago. Uh, I don't think they sell it anymore. It's, it's, it's unusual. It's a, it's a pyramid shaped device. Hmm. Uh, and um, on one side, actually, if you have to imagine, it's a pyramid. And on the front, there's like a little sensor that shows you um, uh, the activity that the device is recording. Well, on the upper left and right sides of this pyramid, there's like these two very sensitive sensors. And what these little sensors do on the top left and right of this pyramid is they're sending out like sonar. I know it's kind of sounds kind of complicated, but each one of them are sending out like um, like sonic waves, mm-hmm. I guess is one way to so you have literally two sensors, and on either side, they're just beaming these, 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 these sonic. And, and here's the thing. If something breaks that, if, like a, if, like a, if I pass my hand between one of those and break it, then that device goes nuts. You know, it goes haywire. It starts beeping and beeping and beeping. Oh, wow. Well, if I, if I pass it on one side, it, it starts flashing on the one side. If I pass it on the other, it'll start flashing on the other. So you can tell uh, if something's breaking that beam on either side. But you can also tell how close, whatever it is that's breaking that beam, you can also tell how close it is. So if I'm six feet out and I kind of break that beam, it'll tell that it's six feet away. And then hmm. you get a little closer, it tells five feet, four feet, three feet. And of course you get right up next to this thing. It'll tell you, you know, it's eight inches or 12 inches. All right, so we had that piece of equipment with us that night. Well, there was one place on the fourth floor that I wanted to go. I'd done some research online. I found out where Stephen King had supposedly met those two young girls. As a matter of fact, they were still, they've been seen many times over the years and the years since, and the 50 years since that. They have been seen many, many times. And so I'd, I'd done some research online. I'd talked to some investigators, and they said there was like this little uh, little couch-type deal, a seti, a sete, a little deal down one of the hallways. They said that's kind of where you need to go if you want to have a shot at communicating with these girls. So I told my wife this. And uh, that's what we did. We took off that night. It was getting close to midnight. Um, and we walked over to the to this, you know, down the hall, down these creepy corridors uh, to the place where uh, he had encountered these girls. And, and I went ahead and put this pyramid on, on the little couch there in the hallway and turned the thing on. And uh, it was awfully quiet that night. That, believe it or not, there weren't a lot of investigators out trying to investigate. Uh which is odd for the Stanley, really, because most of the time you go out and there's people all hours of the day and night hmm. investigating. The, I mean, it's a it's a mecca for paranormal investigators. Right. Well, so we we stand there. I flip the device on, the pyramid on, of course, and then all of a sudden it's sending out these invisible sort of little sonic beams, you know, in either direction. I test to make sure it's working. I wave my hand in front of it, and of course it beeps. You know, lets it, it whines. It lets me know that yes, it is it is working. So I, I, you know, take a step back and uh, and I start to do what paranormal investigators do. You know, you ask questions, you try to communicate if there's a spirit here. I always start my investigations. It's my rule of thumb, uh, and they don't always show this on television on the ghost shows. You know, the ghost hunters. I, you, you're always supposed to start a paranormal investigation with an opening statement. An opening statement is where you invite uh, any um, spirits at the at the location uh, to to cooperate you know you ask permission to be there you uh, uh you ask them if you know you tell them i've brought some equipment uh if you're here tonight uh we'd really appreciate it if you would give us some sort of uh, sign of your of your presence 
that's how you always start the investigations. You always end it with a closing statement by telling them, okay, thank you. If you helped us, thank you. If not, you know, that's fine too, but you don't have permission to follow us as we leave. You always open with an opening statement. You close with a closing statement. Well, I offer an opening statement. I said, if there are any ghosts here, the world famous Stanley Hotel, I said, uh, we've come with some equipment tonight. You know, we've come a long way, my wife and I. Uh, we've come to the most haunted floor of the most haunted hotel in the world. And we've come because we've heard stories of you. We've heard stories that you're here and that you uh, will humor paranormal investigators. And you've had, you know, all the time that you do this all the time. So I said, if you're here tonight, if you'll please give us a sign of your uh, presence, we appreciate it. And as the, as the time wore on, we're sitting here, me and my wife alone. I, you know, we're not getting a lot of activity. I'm not going to lie to you. We're not getting a lot of activity. Matter of fact, I, I'm saying things like, you know, on the count of three, if you'll please approach us, you know, come closer. Come, there's a device on this chair. If you'll please come closer on the count of three, we'd appreciate it. And I'll count one, two, three, and then nothing, you know, and you're, you're just starting to kind of give up hope. Uh, would you come forward? Hold out. You know, ask my, you know, I tell my wife and she's nervous because she's, you know, pretty creeped out by some of this stuff. Sometimes I tell her, hold out your hand. You know, maybe since you're female, maybe one of these young girls will interact with you more than me. Um, which I don't have that good luck with stuff like that for some reason. I don't know. Maybe they, they don't like me. I don't know. <laughs> so I her hand and um, I said, you know, come forward. This is a, is a young woman as well. You all were young women in the 1970s when this other author was here. I said, I'm an author too. You know, uh, maybe I'm trying everything in the world to get these things to come closer. And of course, one, two, three, and they come forward. And, and my wife, she doesn't feel anything. She, you know, she can't. I asked them, come tap us on the shoulder. All these things. We're just starting to fall apart. You know, it's starting to be like, man, is this all you got? You know, I, there's a quote in the Lord of the Rings where he says, this is, is this all you can conjure Saruman? And, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, kind of what I'm thinking is, you know, this is all, you know, we come all this way, you know, we had some activity in the afternoon. I'm like, I was expecting a little something extra. And, uh, and, and, and finally I say, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm about to give up on this place. I say, I'm about to give up on the, on the Stanley hotel. I said, I, I tell the ghosts this, you know, I tell the spirits. So if you're here, I'm about to give up. If you don't give us something, uh, can you, can you do this? I hold out my hand and I, I put it to the left side of that, of that pyramid. And I hold it about four feet away. And I say, this is what I want you to do. I say, hold, give us a hand. I say, if you don't give us something, we're going to go away from here. And we're going to tell everybody that the, the ghosts of Stanley hotel aren't real. I said, we're going to go away and we're going to tell. I said, I'm an author. I said, I'll tell all sorts of people. I'll write about this place and I'll tell people avoid the Stanley Hotel. And I said, I'll tell them to avoid the fourth floor because there's nothing there. There's nothing to see. I said, you better, you better help us out here or, or, or there's going to be heck to pay. And I say one, I'm going to give you one last count to the count of three and we're out of here and we're leaving tomorrow morning. I say two, my wife kind of grabs my arm and, And I say three, and as if on cue, the right side of that pyramid, I was holding my hand over the left side, so about four feet away, there's a beep and a beep, and there's something breaking that beam about six, eight feet away, and it starts to chirp just kind of like, and and as I watch and my wife watches, it suddenly five feet away, four feet away, and where my hand is on the left side of that pyramid, there's an unseen hand. Wow. On the right side of that pyramid, the same distance 
as I'm holding that there, and and of course I've got chills right now actually just saying this. And my wife, as I said, she gets creeped out by this stuff. Well, she by this point she's got a hold of my arm, and I want to get a hold of her arm. You know, <laughs> I, I, I slowly pull my my hand away from that perineum because you know the idea that I'm standing like side by side with something. I mean. It's a little unnerving, still unnerving to me. I've been doing this for a long time. It's still unnerving. I slowly pull my hand away, and we kind of back up against the wall opposite this little little couch thing. But that the other side never goes away. Matter of fact, the unseen hand must get closer and closer because that pyramid is still beeping. And as it gets closer, instead of just beep, 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 you know, it's beeping fast and pulsing. Fast as something gets, I'm talking that beeping started as it was eight feet away. This beep, 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 and as I pull away, there's nothing on my side. We're hunkered across the hall, and it's as if that hand is right there, just going wild. And 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 all I can think to say, I'm thinking, man, we're going to start waking up the dead. You're the other guests at the hotel. If we're not careful here with this high pitched wild thing, and finally I say, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> and on cue it goes away it's as if the hand pulls away and the pyramid goes quiet again and so for I'm telling you 30-45 seconds we sat there and my wife and I just stare at that pyramid thinking oh man that and I'm, th- I'm you know in my head I'm thinking that chapter just got a little bit better <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He gave you something good to write about. Yeah, that chapter got a little bit better right there. <laughs> Holy crap, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. It gave me goosebumps. I would cry. That, I, there's a coda to the story. There's one more piece of the story. As we're shuffling back to our room a little while later, we didn't get much more activity there in that particular part of the hallway. Of course, we were we were impressed as could be. We were already going to have a sleepless night as it was. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. we're walking back to our room. You know, we're on, still on the fourth floor, but we're the floor is like a big H and we're, we're going to walk all the way back to our room mm. well, on our way back to our room. We're talking, we're breathless. We're thinking, man, what a, what an event. And, uh, and we have to walk right by room 401 on our way back. Remember room 401 is the most haunted room, according to the ghost hunters and the most haunted floor of the most haunted hotel in the world. Mm-hmm. Well, so we're walking past room 401. My wife says something like, man, oh man, she said, think what kind of activity we could have gotten if we were in room 401 tonight. And I said, yeah, I said, I'm, I'm telling you what, it's a shame, you know, but I realized, and I asked around, you have to book years. Yeah, I'm sure. Getting room two, 217 for room 401. And we just, we weren't on it, I guess. Mm-hmm. We on well, as we're walking past it, she said, it's a shame. I, I stopped for a second. I said, maybe we can try something. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, well, if it really is, there's really is a lot of ghosts in there. Maybe we can, and I kind of trailed off, and I said, I'm speaking again to the ghosts here. We're standing outside of room 401. I said, and I kid you not, everything I'm saying here is true. This all happened. Yeah. I, I know it might sound outlandish, but this 100% is all believe true. You. We're standing outside room 401. It's right next to an elevator. If you've ever been up there, there's an elevator room 401. Uh, it's kind of in the middle of the H, kind of in the cross. Mm. We're standing there, and I say, if they're, you know, we thank you for everything. I say to the ghosts of the Stanley Hills. I said, thank you for everything. I said, you all have come to play tonight. Uh, but I tell you what, 
could you give me one more, give us one more thing? And, uh, and I say, if you're in room four, I'm talking to the ghosts in 401. And I know you're in there, but could you come out here? I say, and of course, as soon as I say that, my wife just grabs <laughs> on. She's terrified. I'm kind of terrified myself. You know, we're, I'm kind of scared myself. I say, I'm talking to the ghosts inside there. We can't get in there, but maybe you can come out here to us. And I, I, I told my wife, I said, hold out your hand. I'm going to hold out mine. And I say, on the count of three, would you come out here and touch one of us on the palm of our hand? And as I said, uh, I could tell my wife was very unnerved about this. And I, and I was very unnerved about it myself. I, I didn't really want to be the one to get touched. But, you know, when in Rome, you know, yeah. you know one, might as well go big or go home. So I say on the count of three, I want the ghost of, this, of room 401 to come out here and touch one of us on our hand. I say one, two. And of course we tighten, I tighten on my wife and she tightens on me. We both have our hands out here kind of hesitantly. And when I said three, as if on cue, the door to room 401 popped and <laughs> opened and creaks open 10 inches. And as it starts to creak open, we are flat to the wall, flat to the wall, me and my wife watching. And inside, it's pitch black. But the room 401 opens 10 inches and stops. And we're sitting there like, oh, my gosh, what is going on? And we wait for about 30 seconds, completely silent, until finally a man who had been staying the night, by the way, in room 401, his face comes over to the door and he pokes it out. He's looking at us as bewildered, I'm sure, as we're looking at him. <laughs> yeah. And he says, did you all open this door? And I said, no. He said, did you touch it? He said, no, we didn't. We did not touch the door at all. I said, did you? He said, no. I said, that's funny. He said, yeah. Yeah, me and my wife. We didn't touch the door either. He says, what's more, I can prove it. He said, I've got cameras all over the inside of this room. Hmm. He said, would you like to come in and look? And of course I look at my wife and she looks at me and I, and I want to tell her, oh, oh yeah, we're going in room 401 right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> and we did. And sure enough, of course, it was a ghost hunter that was spending, him and his wife were spending the night in there from Fort, uh, uh, Fort, I call at this point, it's been so many years ago. But they invited us in, and uh, sure enough, they had cameras all over the room. We watched the playback on his camera. He had uh, one positioned over his bed to where you could see him and his wife in the door in the background. And sure enough, about, you know, as we were rewinding the tape, you see them sitting on the bed, kind of just sitting there. I guess they're kind of talking to the spirits or whatever. They have like a digital audio recorder in hand. And sure enough, in the video, the door slowly creaks open. And you can see on the camera, me and my wife outside <laughs> in the pit. And of course, you see on that camera, their reaction as they're in the bed sort of doubled back. Like, oh my gosh, is somebody trying to break in on us? But it got the whole thing, on the camera. whole thing on, on camera. That's crazy. And, uh, 
I'm not gonna lie, not a lot happened in room 401. We kind of had an investigation. They invited us in for a little bit. We hated to intrude, but we stayed there for about half an hour. We tried to, you know, conjure a little uh, paranormal activity. Nothing really happened. But like I said, we uh, we got our uh, we got our money's worth at mm-hmm. the Stanley. That night. I'd say so. Jeez. Yeah, that's an amazing story. That's it. Well, you gave me goosebumps. I the first little the cups flying, I'd be out of there. <laughs> yeah, you I, would be. I fully believe in ghosts and all that. I don't ex- like to experience that stuff personally, but I believe in it. So, like, if I'm sitting there yeah. and the freaking cups fly off, mm-hmm. gone. I'll be yeah, like, you guys, be... you guys can pack up the bags. I'll be, I'll get the car ready. You would have slept in the car for sure. <laughs> he would have taken the car to another like parking place instead of the one at the hotel. Yeah, I believe like, it. You guys meet me down the mountain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Zach, that's amazing. We, I'm telling you, it's, it's it's become one of our favorite destinations. We've been back twice uh, since. Oh wow! Uh, never had as much uh, activity though. Never hmm. have had as much activity as that first day. I don't know if there's some sort of a science behind that. It seems like more investigators I talk to, it seems like the first time uh, they, they go to a place, that's typically when they get the most activity. I don't know what it is. They get bored with you. What is it? I'm sorry. They get bored with you. That could be the case. They got new people coming every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you you almost have to imagine anyone going to that destination, especially for the first time. They're all jacked up, probably full of energy. Oh, yeah, leaking it everywhere. Yeah, just emitting energy out of them. So you come back in, it might not be the same feeling. They might not be as interested. Yeah, and that very well could be the case. But you got what you asked for. You said one more thing. If that friggin' door uh, would have opened into the pitch black room in front of me, you, yeah. you would have been jumping out the window. Yeah, four four stories. I've fallen from that. I can do it again. <laughs> yeah, you'd have done it gladly. Right to the end of yeah, the hall. <laughs> Fort Stockton. It was, it was a couple from Fort Stockton, Colorado, is what it was. Mm. I, I think. Well, they didn't have as far a drive for, as you did. No, they didn't. No, they were right up the road. I, they, were, they were a couple hours away. But, so that's probably why you got better yeah. stuff. Is ye- I've reached out to them since. Mm-hmm. I've reached out to them uh, a couple times since, and uh, uh, I don't know if they do as much uh, investing. I don't know if they had to do with that, but I don't yeah. think they do as much investing paranormal anymore. But I don't know. It is what it is. Yes, yeah. that was. Is that one of the stories you told to your class? I was going to say. Oh yes. Oh yes. I bet. I bet. Your class has to be extremely lucky. to have a teacher that can speak. Just you had me enthralled the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh well, thank you. I've done a lot of school. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, through my experience, and I was one that just hated going to school. Like, just hated the everyday schoolwork, all that stuff. But we did have a teacher when we were growing up. I think you had him too, a substitute. He would always reward the class if you were good for the day. He would tell you a story, and he always told old Native American stories. And uh, oh, okay. that was like the biggest reward ever. Mm. I, I'd never seen our class not just act so good on the, that day when he was a sub, but for a sub in general, that yeah. the, the class was a whole a whole different group of people. Just we wanted to hear you those stories, hear the Native American story. Mm-hmm. I, there's a power in storytelling. I, I, that's my maybe my favorite part of of some of the folklore and things. I feel like uh, you know the storytelling. It's a timeless thing. Storytelling mm-hmm. is. And I, I consider myself um, maybe more of a story. I try to be more of a storyteller than just a paranormal investigator. Really, I mean, um, you do an amazing I job. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really we'll do. Think. We've heard you speak a couple times, and it's just—it's always great. Uh, so, anybody, we'll get to your events later. 
because you guys need to come out and see him speak and stuff like that. It's it's awesome. Um, if you're okay with it, we're going to move on to your books, if you're all good with that. Yes. So, as everybody knows that listens to this show, I'm very partial to Bigfoot. Uh, Zach has done a lot of amazing books. The, the ones I have are the UFO uh, Chasers got, uh, Atlas and the Bigfooters Atlas. Um, I'll post a picture of it on the Facebook. But basically, you go to all these places and you make these amazing maps and tell the story and... I went to Folk, Arkansas. That, that was one of my, my big places I wanted to go. And I didn't have this before that, but this would have made everything so much easier. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, I guess we kind of get the picture of why this this kind of stuff came to be. Your love, you love, your love of writing, your love of road tripping. Mm-hmm. So this is the best way to kind of pair them together. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. The longer I've done some of the, the investigating some of these sites and, and the history of these phenomena, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's hard to find some of the exact locations of some, especially like the Stanley Hotel is easy to find. I mean, do get me wrong. Mm-hmm. And some of the history of that building, most of the history of that building is easy to find. But if you start looking into a lot of the famous UFO encounters, a lot of the famous um, uh, Bigfoot encounters, even some of the, 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 the sites that are long gone in the history of ghost hunting. Uh, you know, some of this stuff, I hate to say it, it's, it's kind of washed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then there, and then there's a select few that know it and aren't always willing to share the locations in mm-hmm. these places. I feel like it's a kind of timeless thing in Bigfooting. Somebody will encounter something and they will... And, and there's some logic to it. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to. I don't want to criticize anybody. But there's a lot of secrecy. There's a lot of secrecy and uh, one-upsmanship in bigfooting mm-hmm. and UFO chasing and all the rest of it. People will they will find a location and the, and then they'll they'll say this is mine. I think a lot of people want to get rich, you know, off this sort of stuff. Mm. You know, they they think I'm gonna it's my location. I know where there's some good activity. I'm not gonna let any other investigators know where it is. Uh, because I'm going to catch him, you know, or her catch Bigfoot. Yep. And I'm going to, I'm going to get fortune off this thing. And I think, and I understand, you know, there's a time and place for that. I've heard other investigators, I've had long conversations with other investigators. They've told me, well, the last thing you want on an investigation side is thousands of footprints from thousands of yeah, people walking around. Yeah. And so I've tried to avoid a lot of the very, very modern sites. You know, I know there's a lot of people who um, have seen something recently at their uh, at their investigative location. I've kind of dealt with more of the historical stuff. Yeah. But I tell you what, even the historical sightings are uh, being washed away like tears in the rain. I, um, for example, the Bossberg Cripplefoot Affair. It's a famous uh, it's a famous Bigfoot sighting. Uh, one of the foot casts that I have that I have on my table at um, at uh, these events, at the festivals and things that I sell, uh, came from a very famous encounter in Bossburg, Washington, 1969. Uh, and a lot of the famous investigators were there. It was very famous at the time. I mean, a very, very famous deal. But ask around today, and no one seems to know where uh, this event happened. I reached out to some of the more prominent names in Bigfooting. And I'm not even saying... I should take that back. Not even the more prominent, but the, uh, there's a, there's, I don't know if you're familiar with the term, the four horsemen of Sasquatchery. Have you heard this term before? Yeah, I have. I, I can't name them off the top of my head, but I know the term. Yes. 
All right, well, like the four, the granddaddies of them all, mm-hmm. um, uh, who were, uh, you know, responsible for a lot of John Green, Rene de Hinden, uh, Dr. Grover Krantz, and Peter Byrne are the there four we go. horsemen. Mm. These are these are people who uh, who blazed a lot of trails. Well, three out of the four of those have shuffled off this mortal coil, to quote Shakespeare. But um, uh, Peter Byrne is still out there. He's very very old. He's still out there. He's one of the few investigators that are that are still around. Way up in his nineties, by the way. Oh wow! Who, uh, who investigated the actual Bossberg Cripplefoot affair? He was there uh, at the time of the thing. So I just you know I thought you know. I might as well reach out to him. And so when I was uh, crafting this book, I was not only trying to uh, involve some of the more modern names, uh, you know, a lot of people you see on the conference circuit, a lot of the speakers, uh, some of the knowledgeable sources, especially in the Pacific Northwest. But I was trying to reach out to some of the historic, like, legends. Because uh, these people, you never know, they might not be around much. I mean, right. not around much longer. But I know some of these very old, you know, these old individuals like Peter Byrne. I mean, people like this are not going to be around much longer. So... I, uh, I I made it my mission to reach out to a lot of these people uh, to try to get their their help finding some of these locations um, before they're lost to time. Uh, I, I, I use the term in my book all the time, uh, lost in the fog of memory and time. And I really do think that the fog of memory and time is, is like one of the great enemies uh, to uh, folklore. And uh, all that we try to do, and I'm sure, you know, uh, it, it, it's always going to be an enemy. Uh, UFO and the UFO Chasers Atlas. There's so much misinformation uh, in Roswell, especially. That was kind of the goal of the UFO book, was trying to track down uh, not only the debris field, but the site of uh, some of the, the, cra- the crash site. Mm-hmm. Uh, believe it or not, there's like... Or crash sites or more. Oh, wow. Like everybody who owns a farm in New Mexico believes that the ship came down on their land. <laughs> I mean, that's it. And it may be a lot of uh, people trying to make money off of it. Uh, you know, maybe that's it. But the point is, there's there's multiple places out in the New Mexico desert that uh, uh, are being lost um, and uh, or have been lost to time and in, in, in the fog of memory and time. And it was my goal to reach out to some of these these historians, uh, some, I mean, we lost Stanton Friedman, for mm-hmm. example. Um, I don't think it was last year, but the year before that, uh, he, he passed away. Uh, he was one of the most knowledgeable, uh, people, uh, living about the Roswell incident. He could have pointed at a map and said right here, 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 here. Oh, wow. Around him. Uh, Carl Flock. Um, he was one of the most, uh, not famous, but he was one of the most knowledgeable people about the Roswell. He wrote a book debunking the whole thing. Um, just step by step, he proved that it was nothing UFO. That was in his book. I mean, his opinion, um, which I don't know how you feel about it. Maybe he was right, you know, but the point is he knew every location. He passed away. Uh, he's, he's gone as well. A lot of these guys, a lot of these old men and women who, uh, who blaze the trails are, 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 are disappearing. So it's, it was my goal with these two books and the ghost hunting books, not so much. Right. I didn't really try to get into the map making or the Atlas, but the Bigfooters Atlas and the UFO chasers Atlas were my goal to try to, um, to try to keep the legend alive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, try to make it where someone else can uh, still find these places, but also to get it down on paper. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I was in my, most of the time I end my speeches at these festivals by telling that uh, the sci-fi channel in, two, in 90, I think 99, 97, 
I guess it was 97, they erected a monolith, or not really a a cairn, I should say, in the New Mexico desert on the spot where the debris, the Roswell debris field happened, where, uh, where um, Matt Brazel woke up that July morning and he looked out and there was debris as far as the eye could see. They, they found it. They, the Sci-Fi Channel, a team uh, out of New Mexico, they found the spot, they put a marker on the ground, and they built a big a cairn out there. Uh, and to, to so it will be marked forever. Well, when I first started doing uh, ufology and, and looking into aliens, I ventured out there, and there it was. I got my picture with it. I got a picture of the plaque. Uh, I went back when I was making this book, and by golly, it was gone. 25 years later, somebody had taken that plaque off the ground. Somebody had taken every one of those rocks in that cairn piece by piece. It was gone. Wow. And I knew why they did that. I don't know if they were just trying to get a piece of it themselves. They may have taken every piece, brought it home, and erected the thing in their front yard. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the point is, they, they killed part of the legend. They, they, right. You know, that was, it was a, it was a, it's a bad thing for those of us who, are, who hate to see stuff like that go. I, right. Uh, yep. We just did. Uh, so a part of the thing we do on our Facebook page is we'll go to some of these locations of like lesser known things. Well, we did Mothman, but and we'll go stand in the spot and we'll read the part of the story that happened in that spot. And we just did the Frogman and the Loveland Frogman, and nothing. Nobody in the town knows about it. Nope. Like mm. most of the streets that it was on don't even exist. The factories, the police station. They don't exist anymore. Like the roads have been built twenty or thirty feet over from where they are. So like where we're pointing at one lady's yard, like that's where the chicken stand was, where uh, the original right. businessman bought his chicken. But, but it's gone. But yeah. you'd never know. You know it. Yeah. And even the locals we talked to, no one knew except one person. It was this younger person. She just came over to us and said, uh, yeah, it's just a story people tell. You know, she basically just said it was just a story. And we're all wearing Frogman shirts. Yeah. Uh, that's one of our or one of our uh, one of our T-shirts we sell is our Cribbage of the Corn Frogman. We're like, yeah, we're asking anybody about Frogman. And that's what she's like. She's like, yeah, just a story people tell. I'm like, oh, gosh, don't look down because we're yeah. all down here standing in the river five of us six of us oh we got in the river and stuff where he jumped in the river and did a little video Uh uh-huh but yeah i think that's important what you do it's amazing the book uh especially for somebody like me uh, and like we go down to like like i said folk uh i didn't have the book then but i wished i did because that made life a lot easier oh my gosh uh but i think we want to do like the the land between the lakes and i know you have a section in there for it that is true yeah, there's one campsite in particular that has a lot of historic, uh, has a lot of historic activity. But Land Between Lakes is kind of a magic place. It's got lots of stories out there. Yeah. It's not just Bigfoot. There's a, there's some weird stuff going on out there. That was that's our third most popular episode. Is uh, oh, yeah. the Land Between the Lakes? Because uh, it's that is a weird place. I w- I won't stay out there at night. I'll go during the day. Yeah, yeah, I could I could definitely see that. The um, the new uh, I'm I'm in the process of writing a third uh, atlas of sorts. I'm actually I, I've had such a I feel like um, an outpouring of, um, of of good you know people tell me that they like what I've done with the past yes. two the Bigfooters atlas and the UFO Chasers atlas that I've I've started and maybe it's more of a pipe dream I don't know how far I'll get with it um, I'll at least get the first installment now but I'm, I'm a series called the Atlas of the Unexplained. 
and uh, each one will have a subtitle. And the first one that I'm working on is the Atlas of the Unexplained Mothman. Mm. Uh, and it will deal primarily with a lot of the locations that uh, uh, in and around Point Pleasant, West Virginia, for example, the whole Woodrow Derenberger affair. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a, a significant event. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of charting the uh, locations of that. I have a lot of work to do this September uh, during the Mothman Festival. Yeah. Uh, I have some a couple of interviews lined up with a couple of local historians um, for a couple of those sites. John Keel wrote in the Mothman Prophecies about one location, like one spot, like in the TNT area that was he considered to be like the most uh, like magical place there. I don't know how else to put it, but uh, that spot, I want to have coordinates for that spot. Hmm. You know, I want to know exactly um, where he had that much because he was under the impression that it was like a uh, a window area. That's what mm-hmm. Keel always mentioned, window areas. Well, that one spot in the TNT area, he considered to be like the window area of the whole Point Pleasant, you know, the whole Mothman, you know, and obviously there's a lot more than just Mothman involved in the, oh, yeah. in the 1960s in Point Pleasant. So I guess that one spot was kind of like what Keel thought it all came out of. You know, that was what was all drawn to. So my in my perfect world uh, in the book, and I, I hope to have it out by next summer, uh, I'm going to have the coordinates for that spot as well as all the other great spots for Mothman. And then um, I plan on going from there uh, eventually. I, I don't know. I'd like to have a series of the Atlas of the Unexplained this, the Atlas mm-hmm. of the Unexplained um, But we'll see how far it goes. It just depends. Time is time is the, it's, it's hard right. to find time. It's a, I'm my own worst enemy in my writing. I, I read and read and reread, and and I, I sometimes I delete whole chapters and go back and start over. And I'm, I'm slow. I'm very slow. <laughs> you should see me write the descriptions for these podcast episodes. It's hours. Yeah. yeah. Um, it sounds like it, that atlas might come full circle with that book that got you into all this stuff as a kid. Mm-hmm. The, the legends and the unexplained. Now you're writing the atlas yeah. for it. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 exactly. That might be the, the case. I tell you, at the, at the museum uh, that we're creating um, in Somerset, Kentucky, the Nightmare Gallery is what I'm calling it, but I want it to be eventually, I, I'm hoping that it'll be a um, uh, an offshoot uh, called the Archive of the Unexplained, and I want to have a like, a like a research database, a place where, um, uh, you know, endless filing cabinets where you can mm. find all this information all tacked on. Um, I've been sitting on the archive of the unexplained domain name for years. I like <laughs> 10 years ago, I, I had the idea. I want to have an archive of the unexplained here in, in Somerset. And I bought the, the domain, um, <laughs> dot com. And I, it's, it's been in my, I don't know. I've got a few things like that, that I'm just kind of sitting on at this point that, um, I'm hoping that once I have this, this museum established and I can start to branch out a little bit and, and fulfill some archive, um, the Atlas of the unexplained is another one that I, I mentioned i've actually never mentioned i may be writing that book i don't think on any of the podcasts that i've done so you all are you all got the scoop yes <laughs> that's not, awesome I'm, that one's not out there so. i hope we can bring you some dna or some uh you know some proof of something on some of our excursions that'd be awesome display in the museum yeah absolutely that's what we're that's why I, 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 it's, it's something I've been working on for a long time, um, for years, really. And I'm hoping that it'll have rotating displays. I, um, uh, I, I want it to be different, a little different, something different every time people come. Mm-hmm. But the way I've set it up is uh, there's four or five different displays in the, in the exhibit. 
um, and they're very break down, reassemble. I want it to, you know, just constantly change like a, um, I just a rotating exhibit. So uh, I want to focus on different things because I don't have an endless amount of space. I mean, right. it's going to be a decently stocked exhibit, but uh, you know, there's always room to grow. Um, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I want to make it a different experience. I don't want anybody to come to it once and think, okay, I don't have to go back again because I've seen it all. Mm -hmm. I want it to be a, a different, uh, you know, every, every little bit. So we'll see, we'll see how that goes. So that is the paranormal road trippers, nightmare galaxy or nightmare galaxy, nightmare gallery. Uh, for Facebook, yes. I will put the links in the description below. Uh, and you're basically doing that as it's free entry, right? But it's you sign yes. up beforehand for your time slot. Yes, we're doing a, a by appointment only uh, entry into the exhibit. Uh, if you go to nightmaregallery.net, uh, it will take you to a place to sign up. Uh, the reason we're doing that is, uh, well, I work full time as a teacher and my wife, you know, in the summers I have time off and I can actually man the post, but, but she works full time at the hospital. She's a, a laboratory person tests, you know, she's, she's busy as well. So I want to be able to make sure that, you know, either she or I uh, are here and available. Um, there, I don't, I would hate the idea that we would just, uh, we would either miss someone or have someone here who's not as committed to this stuff as I, I want yeah. when people sign up, I want to make sure that they get an audience with, with one of us, I guess, mm -hmm. you know, we can arrange schedules and make sure that we're either she or I are here. Uh, you know, or, um, I got my, my mom and dad, the ones who used to take me on these road trips. I, <laughs> I can get them involved as well. So one of the, one of the bales is will be here, uh, guaranteed, um, for every visit. So there won't be someone here who's uh, not going to take you on a tour or uh, not going to, you know, um, hopefully tell you stories. I, I want people to be able to ask, you know, now what's this old, uh, what's this old mannequin? Where did this come from? What, what is it? It says haunted next to it. What's the story? I mean, I want to be able to, what's know, this, want someone there. What's this fuzzy fish? <laughs> exactly. 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 So <laughs> I will, that, <laughs> uh, that, that's kind of the plan. But yeah, if you go to nightmarenetgallery.net, we open August 20th is our grand opening. Uh, we're in Somerset, Kentucky. I know Somerset, it wasn't always like this, but I know that uh, in the recent years, uh, 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 the Newkirks uh, with the Hellier, have you all seen Hellier? Oh, yeah. Uh, document? Synchronicity. I know that they've really, they've really highlighted the Somerset area as being um, – as being a kind of a significant place. Uh, I've been fighting the good fight for Somerset for a long time. Um, I've kind of, since my early days, I've known there's something pretty unique and special and, and haunted, you know, a lore, really Appalachia in general, you know, but mm -hmm. especially Somerset, there's civil war battles fought on this, you know, this turf. Uh, just, I mean, it, it's just, it's just got a lot of history. And, and as I said, I've been fighting for that since the, gosh, since 2005 was when I first started writing uh, ghost stories or my true ghost stories about the Somerset area. So really kind of, I, I've, I, I don't want to sound too crazy or, or egotistical, but I kind of wrote the book on Somerset. <laughs> there you have uh, a lot of kids at uh, a lot of the kids at school, generations of high school students, they still come back to me and ask questions about some of these local hotspots. So I just want to highlight Somerset. Somerset is a unique place. Um, and hopefully people who are interested in that documentary series as well will come here. And um, we have some interesting things in score. It's not just going to be a museum, but there's going to be a store involved as well. We sell a lot of interesting objects, uh, my books, as well as all sorts of interesting objects. I know you've mentioned foot casts, yeah. foot foot casts. 
people will have a chance to research a lot of the local and regional legends down here as well. I'm in the final processes of putting together a, uh, I want to make it kind of a weekend thing where people can spend the night and then have something to do, uh, you know, like an all day event. Um, we've got, I don't want to call it a scavenger hunt of sorts, but kind of a, uh, um, a fun run or something, a, a tour. Hmm. I, I want to kind of, you could become an honorary paranormal road tripper if you complete the circuit. Um, kind of a, uh, if you've ever been geocaching, yeah. I don't know if you're yeah. in yeah. oh, All right, kind of a, uh, a geocaching type event only for haunted slash cryptozoological slash UFO hotspots in and around the Somerset area, there's a lot of places, all within, you know, 20 minutes, 20, 25 minutes of Somerset itself. Uh, the famous Stanford UFO encounter where three ladies were abducted in 1976. That's just right up the road. Oh, um, sweet. Sign us up. Yeah, that'd be fun. We'll be getting There's takes. a bird man that's supposed to live uh, in the neighboring county, Laurel County. Uh, there's the Green River Monster that's mm -hmm. this less than an hour from here. The... Um, the Kino monsters, like ten miles south of Somerset, and then you got all sorts of haunted hotspots. So I'm, it's going to be a a, 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 a what a geocaching type event that will um, that if you if you complete the geocache uh, set, you'll 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 be get the honorary paranormal road tripper. Um, I don't know certificate or so, the yeah. or something. Oh, sign up the cryptid of the corn crew will be there. Yeah, well, I've been planning this for a little while, and I've still got some work to do on it um but uh but hopefully here yeah by this fall it will be it will be uh hoping october to premiere that little event and hopefully get people interested in lots of local legends that is awesome yeah i love that idea everything you're doing is that. awesome uh so we are gonna go see the museum uh november 18th we're taking a couple a uh, couple of fans or a couple of our listeners have already reached out and we'll have a small crew um so I know there's a couple others that were talking about it, but I'm, I don't know how many you limit it to, but I'm going to try to limit it to under like seven or eight yeah. of us going. And there's already three sitting here. So uh, because I, I'm so excited, uh, if you can't tell, <laughs> I'll link all the stuff, his fa your Facebook page, the where to get tickets, everything. Um, so once again, the museum's yeah, in I, Somerset. Just facebook.com slash paranormal road tripper will get you to our uh, kind of just a, a, a generic page that talks about some of our travels. We post videos often uh, when we go to haunted hot spots or any kind of weird hot spot. Uh, we put post videos uh, kind of eh, talking about the legends, but we also have uh, facebook.com slash paranormal road trippers nightmare gallery. And that is uh, where you're going to find information completely about the exhibit itself. There are links on there to where you can sign up uh, to book your own uh, stay, but it's kind of two separate Facebook pages really right. like them both. Um, I wish there was a way to kind of merge all that into one, but I haven't quite figured out how to do that. <laughs> it'd be nice. It'd be nice to have one single Facebook page for the, uh, the paranormal road tripper and guest speaking and stuff like that. And then the nightmare gallery be also maybe different tabs, but I don't know, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm, maybe technology is, is too much. For me. <laughs> no, it, it is for me too. Uh, I, I don't understand any of the stuff 90% of the time we're doing. Uh, but so the museum, you can buy cast everything there. We talked about how to get it. So I'm going to read your little, the list you have of conferences left this year. Uh, yes. I don't know. Are you sp speaking at all this list or is it both speaking uh, and most vending? Of the ones on the, 
Yeah, most of the ones on the list I'll be speaking at, starting with next uh, Saturday, not this coming on, uh, let's see, August the 6th, I think. Yeah, you're there between the 5th and the 7th. Yes, the, yes, that will be, uh, at the, it's called the Strange Tales Conference. It's out of Cape Girardeau, mm-hmm. uh, Missouri. They have really put together a stellar conference lineup over there. Uh, I have already, I've been in many, many group chats with a lot of the presenters, and uh, I've had maybe a, uh, I guess you could say a sneak preview of what some of these speakers are going to be talking about and they are, I'll be putting it like I'll just put it like this. They're bringing their, they're bringing their A game. Um, mm. You're going to be seeing some speakers talk about topics that they have never spoken about That's at awesome. festivals before. Uh, for example, uh, Ken Gerhard is one of the speakers here. Uh, he often speaks about Bigfoot uh, and other cryptids, uh, flying cryptids. I think he talks about winged cryptids all the time. Uh, he's going to be talking about uh, Nessie, Loch Ness Monster. It's kind of a new presentation. I'm not sure if he's ever given anything like that before. I don't he'll think ever so. Give like that again. This might be a one, one-off type deal. Mm. Uh, a lot of the um, – Steve Ward is going to be talking about the Mothman uh, legend. There's going to be a presentation entirely over the Minnesota Iceman, uh, the mystery of the uh, Minnesota Iceman. Uh, there's uh, – there's going to be a lot of interesting. I, I very seldom speak about my ghost uh, ghost encounters. I'm usually at Bigfoot and UFO festivals and never get a chance to speak about uh, ghost hunting and, and some of my ghost encounters. Uh, I'm going to be speaking about uh, a little bit of Bigfoot, a little bit of UFOs, but a lot of ghost stuff as well. Hmm, so awesome. Like the ghost story from the Stanley Hotel. Uh, but that's a big one. I really, really, really want to pitch that one, maybe more so than some of the other ones, just because uh, it's a first year festival and first year festivals. You know, those are the ones that need the need the support. So. They need to get mm-hmm. the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. Yes, they got to get started. You know, that's the one. Uh, I, a lot of times, first year festivals, they get scared off. You know, they 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 get a lot of antsy, and and I, I want everybody to come out to that Strange Tales conference in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. First time this festival's ever existed. I'm not familiar with another. There's one other paranormal festival in Missouri, but it. It's, I, it's, I was going to say I don't think of many out that way. Actually, I'm sorry, there's no other paranormal conference in Missouri. I was thinking about the Alton, Illinois yeah. uh, Haunted America Conference, but that's in that's in Illinois. Mm-hmm. So there is no other, uh, anything like this in the state of Missouri. So come out to that one. But yeah, I'm speaking at the Mothman Festival coming up. Uh, that one, I, I don't really have to pitch the Mothman Festival. No, right. Pitches it. That one's probably the biggest one around. Then the weekend um, after that, you, you have the uh, Southwest Virginia Bigfoot and Friends uh, Conference. Yes, yeah, that's a, that's another one. That's another first year conference. That's a that's another one to really support. We'll be uh, re-interviewing you there. <laughs> now you're going to be there, aren't you? Yes. Yep. So that's our big one. Uh, we're helping them out. We're doing all the interviews yeah. uh, for the conference. I like the sound of that. Yeah, that that one. I'm I'm hoping that one will be big. I think they've been uh, they've been nervous too. You know, it's it's hard to do a festival for the first time. I feel mm-hmm. like yeah. the first time is always a lot of stress. So. Uh, they have been very nervous, so I'm glad that you all are helping pitch that. Oh, we're we're excited. It's getting. I think it's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. It's that's our farthest. Personally, that's our farthest drive uh, for a conference. Yeah. It's about nine hours from us. Well, they've got a big venue uh, rented out. I think that's another reason they're kind of nervous. They've got a big assembly hall type. Uh, they're just hoping it all comes together. So hopefully, right. uh, hopefully, people will come to these things. If you book them, they will come. <laughs> yes, that's what we're hoping. <laughs> then you have the uh, Upper Cumberland Bigfoot Festival. 
And that's in October fifteenth. Yep. Crossville, Tennessee. Yep. And then your final one for the year, another one we'll be with you at, is Crypticon. Yes. And that's another one that I think is very very well established and doesn't oh, yeah. necessarily need much publicity. Yeah. A Mothman and Crypticon are, are they've been around for they've been around for a little while, I feel like. Yeah. Some of these other ones, even in Crossville, that one it's only the second year that they've had that festival. Hmm. So Support these small events. If you like these Bigfoot events, if you like these events, you know, the best way to make sure they stay around, you know, the best way to make sure more of them continue to pop up is to turn up to these things. Right. Turn up, uh, buy tickets if it's a ticketed event, uh, you spend some money, get lunch at these events, you know, uh, support the uh, support the festival promoters. So that's uh, I like I feel like there's more of these events popping up every single year. So I hope that continues to be the case. Um, yeah. Ohio has probably 10 like small Bigfoot events. Just they're everywhere. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So hopefully they keep they keep growing and growing. I feel like uh, this part of the country, especially, you know, this is the weird part of the country. maybe <laughs> For sure. <laughs> <laughs> we just get bored and that's what we like to do. Go out and look for big. Well, fun. it's like it's like Ohio in Kentucky as well. Um, you know, you're like what three or four hundred miles from what percentage of the entire United States population? It's right. Pretty, if you ever look at the map and start thinking about it, you you got to within five hours, got, it's like sixty percent of the U.S. population. Yeah, yeah. So this is the area where we got to support these little festivals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I th- I'm going to rehash real quick. Zach is the famous paranormal road tripper. He's opened a museum here in August. It's going to be amazing. We're going down in November as the Cryptids of the Corn Crew. Uh, check out his books. They're all great. Uh, if you want a cast, get it through him. I'm tired of answering that question because everybody's always asking me where to get a, a Bigfoot cast or any of the cast. Uh, and we just want to thank you. This has been amazing. Uh, well, thank you all for having me. Uh, anything else before we go, guys? This has been fun. Your story was awesome. I could listen to those multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Well, let's sign off. I've been the great and powerful mystery. I've been the infamous Jay. I've been the enchanted Emily. And we've had our special guest, Zach, today with us. Thank you again, Zach. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Bye. You've been listening to Cryptids of the Corn. Be sure to join us in the next episode where we tantalize your intellect and expand the horizons of your mind. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we really appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, stay magical.